Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Yeah, awesome. Hey Debbie, hey Jimbo, hey Mona, Marky V, um, all the way from Milano. Nice, nice mate. You like to live it up, don't you? Um, yeah, welcome to today's Tuesday tune-in, everybody. Heather Newman, how's it going? Um, it's, it's funny, like, I see lots of these names, and I know I've spoken to some of them. I'm pretty sure I've spoken to all of them. I'm certain I've spoken to Heather. Um, Rebecca, that's Rebecca, um, Butterflies and Bees. What? That's what that says. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that's no what way. that means, yeah. Stuart Taylor, how's it going, dude? Hi, you just skipped Kim. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> I know Tina. <laughs> oh, you know Tina, do you? Yeah, but it was Stuart, and then you went to Tina. So, hey, Kim Williams, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really happy that you're here, <laughs> even if Rosie's not. Um, hey, Steve, how's it going? Eric Shona, of course. Uh, quick 5K sunny lunch walk whilst listening today. Awesome. So she's trudging while listening. But, yeah, so... I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Rosie's so nervous about being I'm on camera. So By the way, she's, she's practically shaking. Um, yeah, so um, rude. See, you've upset oh, Kim already. Your first live, and you've upset. I'm sorry, I just won't say anything. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, awesome. So, as you can, Andy, um, as if any of you have read the email, you'll know that he is over in Iceland at the moment. Um, I had a video call with him this morning, and he was looking sandblasted. Um, the reddest face I've ever seen on any Yeti because he's out there in sort of, I don't think it's gone above zero. It's very stormy. Um, yeah, so, but I've replaced him once again with a sort of younger, prettier version. Um, last week it was Fee. <laughs> This week is Rosie. Um, I think maybe Jen next week, Jen? The, the, the reluctant mm. um, But yeah, I think this is probably the first time many of you have actually got to know Rosie. Right? Yeah. Didn't Jerome yeah. ask to have a live with you about a year ago? Did it? It has. It's been like seven months, I think I've been at Evertrack now. And yeah, every week I'm teased that I'm coming on and every week I managed to get out of it. So it's actually happening yeah. now. But what we thought we're going to do, um, obviously we're going to have a little chat about um, today's special, which is going to be equipment. Um, it's a bit of a get out of jail free card for me when, I haven't <laughs> when Andy's gone. What can we do? But actually it's an important one because trips are going to be running soon. Well, they are running and um, pretty much um, we're going to be flooding Nepal with you guys relatively soon. And Andy is also out and he's experiencing some pretty stormy conditions. So we've been talking a lot lately, myself and Andy, about equipment. Rosie is relatively new to the high altitude trekking. And last week we talked about Fee going to Machu Picchu for her first time. Well, Rosie's going as well. So you've written down questions for me as well, right? Yeah, I've written down a load of questions for Dave. Um, because, yeah, I've never done any high altitude trekking before. I'm really excited about Machu Picchu. Um, but, yeah, there's a, there's lots of things. There's lots of uh, brands and kit that I've heard of a lot just through working in the office. But I don't actually know what the benefits are. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to awesome. wrap his brain. Um, Andy has said that he might try and jump in the live. So at any moment, this screen might split and we might actually get in with us. So hopefully that'll be the case. Um, Max, oh, Max Bibby, who's actually out with it. How's Andy getting on, Max? Is he okay? Because um, he looked pretty wind-blasted in the video earlier. So I'm wondering, is that um, did the camera make that worse or is it actually worse in reality? Um, hey, Joel, how's it going? Um, Joel's my uh, snowboarding coach. 
yeah. I have yeah. seen the videos. They yeah, are yeah. They're not, are they? <laughs> they just looked very, very concerned. <laughs> He's like, well, I'd say you're flying down the hill, but you're, you're actually it's quite controlled and slow, isn't it? Yeah, and you should, you should see what I've done to my good knee. Um, yeah, but what I thought we'll do at the beginning is, um, hey, Olivia, um, I thought, uh, he's been he's taken half the dunes with him in his hair yeah i can imagine yeah <laughs> i also think that he uh, i think he got his camera full of sand as well so um nice. yeah they should say that he's out there with what we call camera club um which is all of the camera enthusiast people from our trekking past including max who are out there having fun but actually what i think we're going to do first is something we've done a couple of times before i don't know if any, many of you guys have watched inside the actors studio um, well, James Lipton um, asks whoever he's got sat with him a couple of questions in order to help get to know them. And I think they're from a list of questions from somewhere, but we're going to do that with Rosie today to get to know you, OK? Yeah. So should we, should we start I've off with that? I've been told I'm not allowed to, I wasn't allowed to look at the questions. No, you're not allowed to look at the I? questions, no, even, even though they're kind of on this screen. So I'm going to turn yeah. this screen. <laughs> can you just not look at the screen? No, OK. OK, because... I don't know if you can. Speak no, I, I won't. Okay, you're not, not going to look. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Now so the, the first question, Rosie, is uh, what is your favourite word? Oh, um. I should say that. Bees, bees laughing. Right yeah, now. I should say that when we first, uh, before we came online, I said to Rosie, "We're going to do these questions." She's like, "But I won't know the answers." And I was like, "How can you not?" But they're know? about me. Yeah, they're about you. So, um. Oh, I don't know. Do I have a favourite word? Um. Horse? No, no. I don't, well, I, I've been told I'm not allowed to say horse. Yeah, or she's dog, very probably. Do, uh, dog might be your favourite word. It's probably <laughs> the word I hear you say the most. Yeah, I do love. I love dogs. Should we go with dogs? Let's go with dogs because they are nice. Okay, so dogs is your favourite word. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what is your least favourite word? Oh, um... cats. <laughs> yeah. My leader, um, eel. Eel? Yeah, okay, I don't eel. like eels. Yeah, they freak me out. Sticking with the animal theme. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. like it. Uh, what excites you the most? Um, just doing like some, like a fun activity with friends, like going out riding. Um, mm. I'm really into my outdoor activities like that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, just nice. getting out there on the horse. Uh, what What are you least excited by? What dreads you? These lives. These lives. <laughs> yeah, standard. Standard. Um, what sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of like a crackling fire. Like nice, nice. What yeah. sound or noise do you hate? Dave's farts. Do <laughs> Fair, fair comment, fair comment. What's your favourite curse word? You might have to spell it. I don't know if you can even can spell it. Can I say it. it? What is it? Can you whisper it? What, am I allowed to swear? Not really, no. The one beginning with S. Oh, that one. That rhymes with kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, what a complete load of kit. <laughs> nice, okay. Nice standard, bit, bit tame, but there we go. <laughs> Sorry. And this is the one we're really interested in. Um, Jen might want to listen to this one. Uh, what profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm actually like my leg is like chained to this desk. Yeah. So you don't see. <laughs> um, actually, oh, I'd love to be like a pottery maker. Yeah. A yeah. Potter. Like, 
a potter. You'd like to be a potter? Yeah, I'd love to do okay. that. That'd be awesome. What profession would you not like to do? <laughs> the gents just said trekking. Mm. Um, just anything like like boring, like like oh, just you know when you like have to call people up on the phone and like a salesperson. I'd hate to be like salesperson. a salesperson. Fair. I hate that. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home. Welcome home. <laughs> seems dramatic. Yeah, it seems very dramatic. There you go. Awesome. So that's Rosie in a nutshell. Um, yeah, I quite like those questions. I don't yeah, know. They were okay. They were different. Yeah, I think me and Andy have got away with never being asked them because yeah. because we're on the live. Yeah. But I think everyone else has done them. Fee, did we make you do them as well? Awesome. Um, but yeah, on to the live today. So the main topic of the live today, obviously, is equipment. Um, and we're going to be talking about just the basic essentials that you're going to need for pretty much any high altitude trekking adventure. Um, Rosie's been dragged into this one today because she's kind of going through it in real time with you guys. So has um, started off pretty much right at the beginning, like doesn't really own a huge amount of trekking equipment. No. Um, and so I thought it'd be really cool because the last time we had Fee and we talked about the first experiences of going to high altitude, why you choose the trip you choose and things like that. Now we're going to take it one step further with someone who's on the same trip and we're going to talk about the kit. Rosie's got some questions. She's going to fire at me as well. Um, but I think, yeah, pens at the ready for those of you that are playing the bingo, um, because we're going to go through what I think I recommend um, and what I think you should guys should have. <laughs> First of all, what I've done as well is I've got some pictures. I've gone through my archive um, and I've got some pictures of actually what I'm wearing in situ. So when people ask me a question like, what would you like, what would you wear to go to Everest Base Camp? What would you wear to go to Kilimanjaro? Well, I found the pictures and I can show you. So I think we'll start with Everest Base Camp. Now, this is, I think, the... Uh, I've got the first one and the last one that I went on to kind of show you the differences in temperature. So this is the first time that I went to Everest Base Camp back in 2016. Um, and as you can see, not particularly cold weather stuff there. That is a pair of uh, North Face uh, zip-off trousers, North Face hedgehog boots, a Rab zip-up fleece. Under that, I had a base layer and that was it. Um, and then some Jublo sunglasses and a Rab beanie. That Rab beanie has been with me on many adventure. Um, and there's another picture of another view as well with me and my friend Billy. As you can see, no gloves. Um, really wasn't that cold. Um, but in my bag, I was prepared for this type of trip, which, as you can see, is slightly different getup. I've got the Mandel Bhutans on. Um, they are some slightly tougher montane trousers, technical trousers. Um, I've got gloves on there, which I think are liners, um, ones you can touch the phone with. But again, as you can see, same beanie five years later. Um, so yeah, and underneath that, then I'd have a base layer as well. Um, and that's pretty much it. EBC, I've never found to be too extreme. Um, I think it's been relatively mild each time that I've gone there. Although that last picture that I sent was really, really, really cold. <laughs> that was probably like minus five, something like that. Um, as you can see, everyone's getting bingo and stuff yeah. like that. Um, fees, are, I keep forgetting, fees on the questions as well. So she's going to be feeding them to me as well. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, um, having a look here. So Mona has said, 
Um, had a few layers on at EBC in October 2019. Didn't use the Evertrek jacket until Ferice. Yeah, it can be like that. There are other pictures of me on there with just a T-shirt on, on my second trip in 2017, which was when I went in September. Um, it was actually really warm. Didn't use my sleeping bag for the whole trip, just the blankets that were given in the... Um, in the lodge and stuff that's like crazy that. isn't it because that's not what i ex i never imagined that no you'd yeah not be wrapped up i never know? did on my first the first time i went it was pretty cold but overall it's it's not too bad not too extreme either way but in september when i went there yeah it was really warm mm. like quite humid a lot of the time um but that's because we caught the tail end of the monsoon season it was two weeks late and we got caught by it um yeah uh, I would say, and I think I've just spotted Shona say it as well, that Calabatar is a different kettle of fish. So once you go to EBC, um, you pretty much arrive about midday, early in the afternoon. So pretty much when the sun's at its highest, when the day's at its warmest. Um, but there are certain aspects of the EBC trip, in which case I, I would be sort of dressed more similar to sort of what you'd expect in the Himalaya. And one of those is going up to Calabatar at like five. 30 in the morning when it's going to be minus 5 10 15 20 yeah it can be really really cold really really cold um and then one of the other questions that we get quite a lot of as well is what do i wear to kilimanjaro well actually i've got another picture here of me please excuse the fact that i'm trying to look cool um but as you, this is a, one of my favorite pictures actually because we've got everest in the background just to the left there just to the right is amadablam um, stunning views. This is on the way to Tengboche, just not that far outside Namshi Bazaar. As you can see on the left as well, in the green, there's like a, um, a little path as well. That's pretty much the path that you follow. But this is pretty much what I look like day to day when I'm on my trip. So when people say what you wear throughout the day, this is pretty much me. I've always got the shamak on because it's good to keep you cool. I've dipped it in water before, keeps the sun off me. You look um, like you're in a boy band. Like a really rubbish like, one. Yeah. Like a really, really, really <laughs> pants one. Like, it's yeah. just come off X Factor. It's just come off X Factor, yeah. Yeah. But voted off early. <laughs> didn't didn't make judges house no. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I literally, and what I like about these pictures, though, is because I could just itemize the kit that I'm wearing so you guys can see in real time the type of things that I would be wearing. Um, and, yeah, so that is an Icebreaker Merino Wool Fleece, uh, uh, fleece uh, base layer. Always wear that with the zip here so it's cool. I always buy long sleeves as well. Um, and yeah, that shamak I've always got on on every single trip that I've ever done. It comes with me. It's like an old friend, that thing. Um, the hat there, baseball cap, just to keep the sun off my eyes, but it's netted all over. So um, it does allow like all the heat and stuff to escape. And that I think is my camelback rucksack. That's a 25 litre camelback rucksack. Really good rucksack. I like that. And I think that is a Sunto watch at the time there that I've got on. But pretty much that's what I'll look like day to day. And I'll start the trek like that and I'll finish the trek like that. Um, <laughs> Tom's just said you didn't even make the TV stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty, 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 I would say harsh, but, but fair. Yeah. Harsh, but fair. <laughs> Yeah, I knew. Uh, yeah, so well, this is one. I was one of the ones in the queue. You see, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, and you yeah. see, you know, they, they interview you in the queue, but that's mate, as close but you as didn't you have like a sob story, no, so no, 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 I, just yeah, just you know, just on my way to base camp. That's all it was. That's all it was. Um, yeah, and so yeah, that's pretty much day to day on an Everest base camp trek. Um, those are kind of the two differences that you'll see. Um, it's relatively the same as well for three passes for Gokyo, 
the equipment is pretty much the same. Um, you want to always be prepared for the cold weather as well. Um, but yeah, um, pretty much exactly the same kit that I'd be wearing. Um, Jerome's asked there about sunscreen, always in my pack on the day to day. One thing that perhaps I should talk about really is what's in that pack. Um, so when I've got the rucksack on, what is in that pack? Um, I'm going to take it off the screen now because um, it's embarrassing. <laughs> but um, yeah, so in that pack, I'll always have rain gear. Um, so there'll always be like a waterproof um, Gore-Tex jacket in the bag. There will be sunscreen. There'll be a set of gloves, probably just my liners on a day like that. Um, water, snacks, and that's pretty much it. That's all I'll pretty much bring. Um, one thing you can do is um, rely on your guide as well. Who's that <laughs> job had a sexy day? Have you seen the one about it? <laughs> your grinder? <laughs> Dave showing support for you and Tina. Oh, they forgot. Yeah, uh, you've really dropped yourself in it now, listen, haven't you? I just listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> I thought I'd make it easier for you. Yeah, no, by you taking are. the spot <laughs> by taking the spotlight on me. Um, who's asked me there? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. yeah Mark Van Rossum said, uh, um, "What's he, uh, the nail clippers?" Yeah, me on my keys all the time. Got these for trekking. Look, little nail clippers. You pull them out like that. Doom job done and they're great just for anything as well they'll like cut little bits of lace and fabric and things like that as well i even bought some for fee as well a little gift. are they are they on their feet are they on there there they are same pair same pair so there you go great and they they are an, uh, an essential as well um lots of people that have blue roll as well that's another one shown a zinc oxide mm. tape i'll be honest with you i've been really super lucky in all of my trips that i've never had blisters or anything like that what is zinc oxide i've never heard of that. zinc oxide tape is basically just like sticky tape that works a lot better for protecting your feet from blisters ah. than the normal compede and stuff like that um and it's like sticky and stretchy you know so it's really really good nice um yeah, lots of people do that. Um, I don't take my t keys on the trek, Mark. Uh, they just, uh, the, the nail clippers come off the keys and the key sits in the uh, in the duffel. Um, yeah, talking about duffels as well. So we talked a little bit there about sort of what I have on day-to-day -day and the day pack. Um, where's the rest of my kit, you ask? And a lot of people ask this as well. Um, I know some of you are experienced, but here's a picture taken um, on my last trip uh, on the way back. So this is in Feriche. Um, and I arrived just after the porters um, and there's the uh, the Evertrek bags that they carry. And there's another two just to the left of them, which have the waterproof cover on them. Um, so that's pretty much you know, each one of you guys get issued with an Evertrek duffel bag. All of the stuff that you don't need whilst you're trekking goes in that and it's carried by the porters. And then, as you can see, we've got the waterproof um the waterproof covers as well. It does make a big difference as well because those those you know they do take a bit of a battering. Um, yeah, so Joel asking there about rucksack sizes. So generally, I don't go too big. Um, so you'll probably want to. You got a rucksack, yeah, like a hiking rucksack. Okay, yeah. good. So this is this is for you as well. This is that. Yeah, um, I tend to use between a twenty-five and a thirty-liter rucksack. Um, I do have a 35-litre rucksack, but I, I tend not to use it unless I'm going out for a long day in Brecon or something like that. When I'm trekking on, like, uh, one of our trips, I generally use my smaller rucksack. Uh, my reasoning is because it's big enough to carry everything that I need. I don't want to be like Samwise Gamgee, you know, from Lord of the Rings with all the big pack and rattling about, because you just got to carry that stuff. It's just wasted energy if you don't need it. Um, so yeah, some people like to carry as much as they can. I don't, I carry the essentials. I'm quite brutal with what I'll cut as well. 
Um, you know, I don't need three fleeces. I'll just take one. Um, I've actually got all of my kit, everything on my first trip down to around 12 kilos. I'll be honest with you, there are a few things I probably would have added, but that's being brutal, you can do it. Um, and you know, the, if you have a big space in your rucksack, you will tend to fill it. A lot of people do. You'll be opening your bag and you'll fill it and it'll look pretty much empty. So you'll think, I just put my down jacket in yeah. there. And then you think, yeah. okay, a couple more snacks. And it, and it doesn't take long before that's, you know, you're carrying a lot of unnecessary weight every day. Um, so yeah, personally, I recommend um, 25 to 30 meters is, is perfectly adequate. Um, uh, Rosie, it doesn't melt into your socks like concrete. I did see that. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Like I said, I've never used it, but I have I have got a roll, I think it sits in my bag, but it's been there since about 2017. Nice. So I don't <laughs> I don't imagine it would go off or anything. No. Like that. Um oh yeah, uh, Mona said Lou Roll is a protected currency going to EBC. <laughs> yeah, you'll always want to make sure you've got a stash of that, particularly when you go in there, into the unknown. Um awesome. And then so moving on, we'll we'll, we'll choose a different trip. Um, one of them is Kilimanjaro. A lot of people ask him, what do you need to wear? Well, day to day, I'll look exactly the same on a Kilimanjaro trip as I do on an EBC trip. There's nothing specialist or different about Kilimanjaro that I would that I need over and above. Perhaps I'll put my rain gear on a bit more um, because it does get a lot wetter um, because Kili's got its own microclimate, so it does tend to rain in the afternoons. However, on the summit, here we go. Another embarrassing picture. There we go. Michelin man. Look at that. <laughs> Um, yeah, this was really cold. As you can see, this is after sunrise, but the sun didn't pierce through this like real thick mist. It was really, really cold. What you can't see in this picture is the wind. It was really strong and the temperature was about minus 15. So it was really cold. One of the coldest. Uh, the pictures slightly cut off what I'm wearing on my feet, but I had the Mandel Bhutans on. Um, those trousers are rab. Um, forget the name vapor rise i think but they're an insulated pair but the great thing about it is they are insulated with like a fleece liner but you see those zips on the side they open up quite long and allow quite a bit of venting nice so yeah. you can control your temperature quite well with those so as you're walking you get a bit warm pull them zip down and you'd be surprised especially if there's a breeze that'll cool you down yeah um that there is my down jacket, which is probably the most essential piece of kit I had on Killy, which is the mountain equipment light line. Really good jacket that I've recommended a lot in the past because it does it, it does the job. It's really good. It doesn't cost a huge amount. Um, you can usually get it quite cheap. Um, and uniquely, perhaps under that, what I found on Kilimanjaro was that I was actually changing my down jacket a lot, taking it off, putting it on, taking it off, putting it on because I was getting warm when I was walking because I run quite hot. As soon as I stopped, I get cold. So underneath, I'm actually wearing my Rab um, Gore-Tex jacket or not Gore-Tex, but um, you know, normally you wouldn't do that. Mm. You wouldn't wear your waterproof jacket under your um, down jacket because very it makes sense if you're taking it on or not. Yeah, very rarely do you end up in a set of circumstances where you, you kind of need both. Mm. most of my experience is that if it's raining it's not that cold mm. um, but all that was was acting like a wind stopper and keeping me just warm enough when I took the down jacket off um, underneath that then I had a rab fleece and then another base layer um, which was a winter base layer um, from icebreaker and then um, those gloves are montane um, and then the hat uh, beanie is wrapped. Um, I also had a um, two buffs and the reason why I took two um, is because 
you have one sort of up around your mouth the whole time. But when you're breathing, and, and when, particularly when it's cold, it gets wet. Yeah. And it starts to be horrible. So I, wore, I used one on the way up, and then I took it off and put it in my pocket and had a fresh one for the way down. Nice, yeah. Um, that's actually another little tip from mine. Very organised. Very organised. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't know it from my desk. No, um, I know. It's chaos over there. <laughs> yeah. But um, one of the things that I do recommend, actually, and I do this pretty much on all my trips because it's a bit of a morale booster, is have like a clean uh, base layer that you haven't worn. And I just keep it in my bag for a day like Summit Day on Killy mm. or EBC Day. And it does really uplift you, you know, if you're feeling really cold or sweaty. Mm. So if you're feeling cold, you can put on an extra layer. Yeah. If you're feeling sweaty, you put on a fresh one. Um, and it's just one of the little things that I've sort of, I suppose, little quirks that I've sort of picked up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you learning a lot, Rosie? I am, like? I am. It's good. It's yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty much it, actually, in terms of what I was going to discuss. Um, so I think what we'll do is we can dive into some questions um i'll answer a couple of the customer ones then we can go and do a couple of yours okay. if you want yeah. yeah are these ones you want to know for your trip is it yeah yeah awesome awesome um so first question that we've had in uh robert queen what is the best equipment i would need uh if i win hopefully i have my fingers crossed and i can't get it out of my head feel like christmas is on its way when no. i was a kid i think he's talking about the, the everest base camp competition. competition don't forget to enter that by the way because we are giving away a free trip for the winner and a friend um what is the best equipment i would need if you won difficult one to say but i would honestly say it all starts with your boots um they are the most important part of the kit in my opinion um there's lots of things you can do to make yourself warm there's lots of things you can do to cool yourself down but if you've got a pair of boots and they're your only pair and they feel like hell, there's not much you can do to yeah. fix that. They feel terrible. Um, the only way to fix it really is by getting a new pair of boots. So I would say put in time, effort and money into finding the right set of boots for you. Um, you know, you've got to rewind a little bit. Um, actually, that's the one. So the picture, I, the boots that I use uh, are these. These are the Mendel Bhutan boots that we've all heard so much about. I really like them. Um, and I know I feels like I push them a lot and, you know, believe it or not, I don't actually have shares in Mingle. I just, um, was really happy to find that combination of that boot with the Superfeet Trailblazer insole, because I spent a lot of time and money going through about 10 different pairs, um, trying to find the chain that worked. And when I found those and they felt great, it was amazing. Um, awesome. Um, and then I'll answer another one, which is from Kim Williams. Uh, she's not sure if this is written related, but kind of is. Awesome. Um, so she's got arthritis in her knees, and so they get really painful. Uh, you have steroid injections, which helped a little. So my question is, knee supports, or, um, is it kinesiotic? Uh For good support and pain relief, I always find that a knee support rolled down because my woman thighs make mm -hmm. uh, If it's not suitable for tuning, it's 100% suitable for tuning. And also, Kim, we... Uh, so free for all on the questions doesn't have to be about kit but one i really do feel for you with regards to the knees um yeah i've got a dodgy knee myself i know what it's like to trek with a painful knee personally i think knee supports are better um and there are different knee supports and a lot of them yes they do roll down i've actually found what's really helped recently there's a company called active 650 and they do a neoprene stretch one over the knee and it's the first one that I've got that I actually, that's not crazy expensive. It's about 30 pounds, but it doesn't slip. 
and it's not particularly heavy duty um but it what it does do is provide like a it just feels like it's holding my leg nice and tight feels like it's giving it support and it doesn't roll down ever um and i'm a sweaty guy man and when i'm like <laughs> when i'm running or right running nah, nah, like that's ever happened <laughs> when i'm riding my bike or walking um it's not budged an inch so i check that company out and hopefully they'll help it's you. worth a try isn't it yeah you've got to try it makes a massive difference um rosie fire away okay well shall i perhaps so the, i've yeah i've not well, the biggest thing I've probably done so far is I did my gold DV. Right. And that's the only thing that so I had all my kit for gold DV. Yeah. And that is it. So I'm I am like Dave said, just like you guys, like I have no idea what I'm doing and <laughs> yeah, I need to absorb all of Dave's knowledge. So obviously last week, people who were uh, tuned in last week knew that uh, um Fee was talking about her wool knickers. And I want to know why do I need wool knickers? Why are they so much better than normal knickers? Yeah, I remember I had this conversation, I think, with feet off air as well. And I remember, like, I think the whole room turned against me when I was trying to explain why you should buy a 30 pound pair of underpants. Feet, <laughs> um, I don't know if you can see this, but feet's leaning towards me like this. <laughs> you know? um, so, specifically, what I recommend for me. Um, and what I find works for so many people is merino wool. Um, the reason why I think that it really, really works is that it's really good at wicking that sweat away from your body better than any other material I've known. You wear cotton underpants on a trek, right? They'll get drenched in sweat. That's just the way nice. they do. But they don't dry out at all. They'll just stay damp and cold and miserable. They'll smell. They'll be horrible. Um, and you'll need a pair every day. So if you're doing 11 days of trekking, you'll need 11, 11 yeah, pairs. Yeah. If you buy um, some pretty expensive ones like Merino wool, there are other makes as well. There's stuff like bamboo. Um, there's a few other synthetic ones that are designed as well. Yeah. Personally, I think in my experience, the Merino wool ones work best. Um, they don't smell. Um, all the sweat is like absorbed away from your body and evaporated. And so you can get away on an 11 day trek with like I don't know, three, four pairs, maybe less. You know, nice. um, I tend to have about four pairs you know and i'll just rotate them you know like wear one and then another 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 then go back to the first one that type of thing nice. let me let me tell you let me tell you <laughs> let me tell you you will be like us you you think that like my fellow trekkers understand that when you go out there and you're in high altitude there's a certain level of personal hygiene that is yeah. sacrificed for the goal yeah um yeah. if you're a girl most people braid their hair because you're not going to want to wash that because you have no real way to dry it adequately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, um, another thing as well is the chafing. So I tend to buy a longer pair that come down like halfway down my thighs. Okay. Um, I know a lot of girls as well that actually wear the boxer shorts rather than the, the sort of normal knickery pantsy things. Um, and that's for that reason that it does give I feel you. Feel like a... I'm having this conversation with my dad. <laughs> now you know why. I've been on in seven months. Oh, you <laughs> yeah. get whacked around the head after this. Yeah, was it? <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's really, really, it, it's good. And um, actually, Robert Smith has mentioned something here. And I should also credit Mick Hamilton with this, that dry two spray. Um, I'll put a, uh, maybe Fee can find it and put a link for us in the chat. Um, it's really good. So... You basically put your clothes up, spray it with this stuff, 
yeah. leave them like overnight, and then the next day they they're great. Nice. It smells lovely. Easy. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's great. I always bring it to Kathmandu with me, and tend to like deal with my clothes that way. Um, yeah, this is, this is a good little tip, and I forgot about it. But Mick Hamilton was the first guy who showed it to me on a training weekend. Um, that's why I love training weekends because we don't just you know it's not all one way traffic in terms of like what we're talking about in Suffolk. Quite often it's um, the other way as well. Awesome. I'll move on and do another one if that's yeah. okay, because you've lowered the tone, so I'm going <laughs> to move away from that bit. Uh, Deborah Burgess, how long does it take to get your passport back from the Nepal embassy once you've sent it to London? Um, Deborah, so I sent mine off on a Monday and I got it back on a Thursday. Um, so pretty pretty quick. Um, so I would say if it takes longer than a week, that's worth a phone call to chase up. I've never known someone to tell me that it takes longer than a week. This is usually where a thousand people comment now and say, it took two weeks for me. But um, yeah, usually it's within a week. Like I said, mine came back within the same week. Um, so yeah, there's no there's no problem there at all. With that. But they're helpful, aren't they? Like, yeah. to just give them a call. Yeah. But yeah, like we've had a lot of customers recently that have just given them a call or, or you know, whatever. And they've had their, they've been given their answer straight away. So yeah, yeah it's not going to hurt, is it? Awesome. Um, I can see a few comments about, uh, chafing on here as well so um, about you know Vaseline chamois cream and stuff Jim Blues has actually uh, mentioned what I use which is um, cycling chamois cream so I had some anyway it's quite minging because it's like it's like putting Vaseline on your legs I don't like the feeling of it to be honest with you but it does do a good job um, the chamois cream which cyclists use you can buy it in pretty much any bike shop um, they usually have it on the counter um, it's really good because it not only just allows for like smooth passage of thighs um it stops heat build up as well do you know what i'm picturing you know the episode of friends where ross gets stuck in those leather pants and he and like he's at this girl's house and he has to like put vaseline like to try and get them back up i'm not i'm not funny. seeing <laughs> so I have to show you sounds hilarious someone is gonna know what i want oh, 100%, 100%. yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah Hair is so overrated. Uh, that's from uh, I don't even know what in what that's in relate to, but it's bri bri, so I'm going to sort of you know sort of urge caution with it. Um, yeah, other people's pseudocreme and stuff like that. To be honest with you, I think the like my my first and foremost thing is clothing. Clothing does a really good job. Buying the longer, and I know some people may even put like cycling shorts on that type of thing. Mm. It does make a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, you want to avoid skin on skin wherever possible when you're hiking. Um, so yeah, I tend to use the the longer boxes that come halfway down the thighs. It just makes a makes a good choice. Yeah. So when I'm at, when I'm at the gym, I wear running leggings. Yeah. Would I be okay to wear those? Yeah, a lot of people do. Matching. Yeah, a lot of people do. Okay. So you'll see a lot of um, a lot of people that wear sort of um, like leggings, tights, and stuff like that yeah. when they're trekking because they're lightweight. Um, they keep you a bit cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. Probably higher altitude. Um, you're going to want to put something warmer over the yeah. top of them at least. But yeah, you certainly see a lot of people um, wearing stuff like that. Yeah, no problem at all. I've even seen trekking skirts and things like that. For really? Girls. Yeah, where they'll have something on. Like, I'm not sure the value in it. To be like honest, a tennis really. skirt. I think so. Yeah, I saw them. I last time I was at EBC, and I'm not sure the value in it, but I don't know what it does. Maybe it just looks good. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, Mark Toyne, uh, regarding the duffel bag going to EBC, is it worth taking a cheap bag and then throwing all my gear in the free bag? Um, I recommend, so yeah, um, when you go in there, you can bring a uh, suitcase, something like that. 
um, and then you can put all your stuff in our bag. The reason why we recommend that is because the bags do take a bit of a beating. They're being picked up, tied, put down all day, every day by the porters. Um, and if you turn up in an expensive duffel bag, um, it probably won't get damaged, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to get a lot more worn than necessary. Um, so, yeah, just bring a cheap bag. Something that I learned last week as well, all having the same bags, it helps the uh, Sherpas carry them, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. Because um, some people ask us, you know, if it's okay if they bring like a, a, a Bergen-style rucksack. Mm. And we often say no because they're all tied together in like a nice, yeah. nice neat little pile. Um, actually, are they tied on that picture? No, but you can see how they would be tied. Like the stacked, um, yeah. And stacked, you know, same size, same weight, same everything. So, yeah, that does make things a bit easier. Hi, Rosie, what have you got for me? What's the next one? Okay. Um, what bit of kit do you um, did you regret buying or that you think is overrated? Um, good question. I've got two. Okay. Um, and this is specific to EBC. These other, these other, um, these are these other these bits of kit are actually probably really really useful in a lot of different circumstances. Yeah. But in terms of going to EBC or one of our trips, I found them that I didn't really need them. The first one was a solar panel um, phone charger, um, which you can like attach to your bag while you walk, and it builds up a charge and charges your phone, or you can lay it out for a day. Yeah. Um, but I just found it wasn't very effective at all. Mm. Um, it was much easier to bring a, a power bank. It took up less space. Um, it held way more charge than I could harvest from the sun. Also, the weather in these environments tends to be pretty unreliable. So there yeah. was quite a few days where I, I wouldn't, I wasn't able to charge it. Um, another thing was, um, it's still in my bag, but I don't really use it that much. Is uh, like a Swiss Army knife. Um, I just don't need it on the track. I've no. just never needed it. Um, and don't get me wrong. I know I'm not. I'm not. I know. I know people are going to be like the most useful tool in the world. <laughs> I 100% agree, which is why it's always in my bag. But actually, I've never really needed one, um, you know, on a on a trip or anything like that. Um, also, I've known a lot of people um, have them in their hand luggage and things like that when they get on the flights to Lukla, and they'll be taken off you. Um, yeah. So, and I've seen quite a few disappointed people who have lost their prized uh, pen knife and things like that. So, actually, you know, for for trying to use it and stuff like that I, it's not great also i have a story where i had a pen knife on my key rings um i usually do which is um i think i might even have one here similar to this one it's just a little knife on my key rings and it's for the purposes of outdoor pursuits and i left it on there and i went through customs at cardiff fine and then when i landed in qatar um, i got pulled aside and i totally forgot and it was there and they said have you got a knife on you and i was like no i've got a knife on me then a man walks up holding a mini, uh, I say mini, Brian will probably know what type it is, and Mick, fellow soldiers out there. Fellow soldiers? They're fellow soldiers. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, no. And um, like a machine gun, you know? And I'm like, whoa, bit, bit, bit heavy. Uh, do you have a knife on you? No, I don't have a knife on me. Do you have a knife on you? I'm like, that knife, yes. <laughs> I have that knife on me. Um, and I totally forgot, and it was just a little stupid pen knife. And uh, I got into a little bit of trouble there, and um, I, Andy sort of backed away from me slowly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and um, yeah, so uh, it was um, that, that was a tricky one. But yeah, those are probably the two that I think that I've, okay. that I've needed the least. Um, awesome. So I'm going to move in now to another one. Um, I'm 72 years old. Can I attempt Kili? That's from Anvar. Yes, you can, 100%. There's no age limit um, on attempting these trips at all. 
Um, I actually went to Everest Base Camp with a guy who was exactly 72 years old. So, yeah, no problem at all. Get, Get on out with me. there. Exactly. What have you got for me, Rosie? Um, oh, okay, so I've never walked with trekking poles before. Right. Why would you, would you recommend we use them? What do they do? Uh, okay, so trekking poles, I do count them as an essential. Not everybody uses them, and those that do bring them don't use them every day. I probably don't use mine every day on a trip. However, when you need them, they're an absolute lifesaver. So there's two reasons why you might need them. Three reasons, actually. If you're doing a very, very long day, you know, let's just say you were going to be walking like 26 miles, the Glencoe Challenge or something like that. Mm. Using them over a long period like that, just generally as you're walking, it does have a little bit of an effect in, you know, taking some of the stress off the body um, and stuff like that. Where the, the two most really important times are when you're going uphill, um, because you can get your arms involved in the process mm. of actually carrying your body uphill. Um, and it takes quite a lot of strain off the legs and things like that. Um, and it just makes climbing a lot easier. When you want to stop as well, you can lean on them. Yeah. Very handy. Um, and then going downhill, which is the single most um, uh, important thing for me, is they take, I've read a statistic, something like 30% of the impact out of each knee. You extend them slightly, put them out in front of you. And again, using the arms to take some of your body weight as yeah. you're going downhill. And it really makes it a lot easier. Um, also, on rough terrain as well, they can help you balance. So if I'm like a bit wobbly, but I want to touch that rock there, but it's a bit too far away, you can kind of put your pole on it. Um, I recommend not using them to like hold all your body weight. It's just about catching your balance. Yeah. If you put all your body weight on a pole, uh, most of them will be strong enough to hold you, but you know you, it could slip or something like yeah, that. It's yeah. only a tiny um, connection to the ground. But very important, and I think... When you first use them, you do feel a bit weird. Yeah. And you don't, you're like, are these even doing anything? Oh, yeah. they're silly. You stick with it. And I highly recommend everybody okay. stick with it as well, because they do make a big difference when you actually, when you need them, particularly at the end of a really long day. And then you've got that final descent back down and your legs are tired, your knees are hurting, your back's aching from carrying your rucksack and you can just extend those poles, put them out and it'll save so much energy. It's really, really good. Um, awesome. Um, Simon Harris has asked, uh, how much experience do you need for Everest Base Camp? So, experience for Everest Base Camp, technically you don't need any. I've seen people roll off the sofa and do Base Camp. My advice would be to gain at least some experience trekking in the hills. So, for me, that would be out in Brecon, if you're in Scotland, maybe the Cairngorms or something like that. But any, any sort of place with a hill. You know, I've known people that live in the city and just walk up and down steep hills. Um, with a pack on your back, you want to develop some good strength and endurance in your legs. And you'll achieve what we call mountain fit. So people that are mountain fit, they might not necessarily be able to run 5K, but they're like mountain goats on the hills because they've got those muscles used to supporting them and firing in that sort of way that will carry you up a hill. Um, so in terms of high altitude experience, you don't really need any. Um, in terms of tracking experience, I'd recommend you have some um, because it'll just mean that you really do get more enjoyment out of it when you're there. But um, experience, that's probably a whole live in itself on training and things like that. But I think we've done a few, so make sure you go back and check. Steve's just asked about the Evertrack water bottles. You, oh, fees for fees and stuff I had. <laughs> but yeah, no, just, just give us a call. We can take the payment over the phone and we can get it sent out to you. Yep. Awesome. Um, let's have a quick look. 
Um, Mark Williamson, just a quick question. Um, has that worked? However, is it worth getting? Is it worth getting everything before you go? You've heard a few people hang off and get to travel light and buy things in Kathmandu. Um, you've recently heard that there's some quite cheap stuff there. So. Personally, I bring pretty much everything with me. Stuff that I would pick up in Kathmandu would be like trekking poles, um, you know, maybe a water bottle, baseball cap, something like that. All the main components, like your boots, your jackets, your trousers, I would get all of that stuff with you because you know it's going to be quality stuff. You're going to be want to do some training in the mountains anyway, so you can get it over time and then arrive in Kathmandu fully prepared for the trip. Um, but certainly uh, in Tamil, in Kathmandu, it is, it, it's, it's like a mecca for trekking. Um, there are hundreds, probably thousands of uh, trekking shops um, in Tamil that you can go and buy every single thing that you need. Um, there's also North Face mountain equipment, uh, Black Diamond, lots of shops, you know, proper legit shops as well where you can buy stuff as well. That's Sportiva have, uh, I think, an outlet there. Namshi, there's a North Face shop in Namshi, um, as well as a Sherpa Adventure Gear. Um, so there's loads of opportunity to buy stuff, but personally, I recommend getting it before you go. Um, even though there is loads of options, you don't want to risk not finding what you need. I was going to say, it's just peace of mind, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, let's have a quick... Andy said he's been trying to join, but I don't think he's got the, uh, the internet connection to do it. Um, let's have a quick look. What have you got for me, Rosie? Well, I look for another question. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, okay. So um, when I'm looking for boots, Hmm. What um what what kind of thing do I need to be looking for in like what does what does a perfect boot need to have okay. or not have? The most important thing is fit. So most hiking boots, right down from the really basic stuff right up to the most high tech, um, are relatively useless to you if they don't fit right because you won't be able to use them. They're going to be painful. They're going to cause huge blisters. They may even cause issues with, like, you know, the musculoskeletal, mm. you know. And, and also those problems, they start at the feet and they travel up. So you'll end up with sore knees, sore yeah. hips, sore back. So fit um, is the single most important thing um, when looking at a hiking boot. Um, this is trial and error. Um, the best thing you can try and do is go to as many shops as you can, try on as many pairs as you can, um, find out what's worked for other people. Um, the boots that I use, they also do like a, a women's version as well. I'm not sure what the difference is. Maybe just the narrow or width of the mm -hmm. foot. Um, yeah. And, uh, okay, so Mona's talking about a pair I recommended to her. So I use Mendel Boutans, which are a bit of a tougher leather boot. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the Hocker One One boots, which mm -hmm. are like, you use Hocker, don't you? Your running trainers. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well they, well, they do hiking boots as well. I that was a weird joke. No, you I do use like, them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, you, I've seen you. I've seen no, them no, with I them. do, and I really like them. I really, really like them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they, they do hiking boots as well, which are um, really light, really spongy. They'll absorb mm. all those little stones and things like yeah. that. Developed from trail running. So they're designed to kind of be sort of help you move quickly over terrain like that. Um and then in the middle, you'll have something like a, you know, like a Gore-Tex boot or something like that. Um, so really, it is about trying them on, making sure they fit. Yeah. I recommend boots um, over sort of shoes because they do give you that added yeah. ankle support. They're also warmer in the really cold conditions. Um, there are some people that just absolutely can't wear them for one reason or another. 
um, and there's no hard and fast rule about it. I just recommend boots. That's where you should start and then try your yeah. best from there. Okay. Awesome. Um, Andy's uh, driving to a glacier, by the way. I'm getting like several updates here. Um, Kim Williams has asked, what time of year did I do Killy? I did it in February. Oh. I summit. I summited on uh, the 29th of February uh, was the day that I summited. And it says there five past seven in the morning, but it was actually 6.30 when I got there. It wasn't five past seven, but that's fine. Um, let's have a quick look. So, yeah, maybe Andy's going to try and join us. Um, Lou Brimble has said, you don't get on well with Camelback-style hydration packs. Do you have any other suggestions for quick, easy, accessible drinking? be interested to know why you don't get on with them, because I found that they're really, really super easy to use. Um, but some people don't like the taste and things like that, and I, to I totally get it. Um there isn't really a substitute that is as easy uh, to drink from as a Camelback water bottle, um, water bladder in your back, because it's just so convenient. The weight's carried evenly on your back. You can carry more water than you can in a bottle. Um, but the only alternative really is, is a good bottle. Um, I have known as well that other people, um, and I've got one, uh, but I don't really use it. It's, a, um, it's designed for mountain biking, but it's like a bum bag. Um, and that's got a water bladder in there. So like oh. a half a litre water bladder in your bum bag. So the tube just comes up from there and then you stash it back down again. Maybe that might actually help. Um, yeah. Um, and also Andy McNaughton Jones has said, camel bags don't work if your guide's carrying your bag for you. That's another problem, yeah. If you give your uh, bag to your guide and all your water's on board, you're going to be chasing your guide to get a drink. Mm. Um, so usually, you know, bring a bottle or something like that. But I think the best thing to do is probably for you, try and work with it there are different rucksacks and there are different water bladders camelback obviously is is the brand um but there are um osprey do it uh, most bags will will have their own custom water bladders and stuff that, that that are designed to work with the rucksack that you're using so try and work it out if not yeah just get a really good bottle and use that or maybe the bum bag thing that might help as well um it's a bit awkward with a bum bag with your rucksack on it kind of has to come around the front kind of sits in the way a little bit mm. but you know you've got your phone in there and all sorts of stuff like that so yeah not against it not against it um awesome we've got one other one um do you have any money saving tips i'm conscious of just buying or spending a lot of money on something that i'm only going to use once you know yeah true well you're not going to use it once <laughs> yeah you can use it more than once but no i totally get it um trekking equipment can be very expensive um, it can cost a lot of money and also, you know, you can easily spend 250 quid on a pair of boots. Yeah. You can spend 300 quid on a waterproof jacket, 300 quid on a down jacket, yeah. 600 quid on a sleeping bag. It, it add, and that's just a few items to name. I think shop around on the secondhand market. I don't mm. usually buy my waterproofs and stuff like that from secondhand because you, have, you really have to look after them throughout their life to make sure they, they stay waterproof. Um, and I've been stung before I bought one and it's looked great, but then when I've used it, it's not been quite that great, but there are lots of, you know, buy and sell groups on Facebook, eBay, Facebook marketplace, all of that sort of stuff. Um, even on our group, a lot of people could talk about that type of thing. And there are some good secondhand bargains, you know, to, to be had out there, particularly with yeah. boots that people haven't got on with. Cause once you've bought a pair of boots, I don't like them, but they're brand new, mm. you know, you might love them. So you can get a good deal like that. Yeah. The other thing is, is not to be a gear snob. Um, you know, you don't have to buy the best of everything. You can work your way up to these things, you know, like you can buy a head torch for sort of 15, 20 pounds, or you can spend 120 pounds on a head yeah. torch. 
you know, there's no need for you to spend £120 on a head torch right away. Yeah. You know, you, you just need something to light the way, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for a few hours. So lots of things like that. Also, just be shop around is the biggest thing that I do. If I find something on a website, the first thing I'll do these days is, you know, do a Google search and try and find it cheaper elsewhere. Yeah. Um, there's a few websites as well. People are dropping them in there. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, Sports Pursuit, really good. They do amazing, these, like, flash deals. Um, Cotswold Outdoor, obviously, and if you're booked on with Evertrek, you do get a discount code, you get 15% off. Go Outdoors as well, they always do um, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I was just about to say as well, Aldi, they do, like, cheaper base layers and things. I do find that you get what you pay for, so if you are buying things like a base mm. layer, the more expensive ones will probably perform better. Mm. But it's not, again, it's not about buying the most expensive thing because you don't necessarily need it. Um, there are some things that I will spend money on, like my boots. But, you know, if I'm going hiking for a day, a, cheap, a 20 pound base layer is probably going to be just as good for me as a, yeah. as a 60 pound one. Um, and also a fleece as well. Like the thing is with fleeces, there's a lot of really good, or a mid layer, there are a lot of really good options for mid layers, <laughs> and some of them are technical and they're designed and they fit really nice. But any old fleece will do. Yeah. You know, as long as it's warm and you know it's warm, yeah, it's kind of like if it's warm back home when it's minus ten, it's going to be warm in the Himalaya when it's minus ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's you don't have to go down and spend a lot of money on stuff like that. Okay. Um, awesome. There is one thing I think that I want to uh, quickly talk about. Um, so as you know, trips are now heading off to Nepal. We've got our competition going, so please make sure you enter that. Um, but I was chatting to Anuj. Many of you guys that have been over there will have met Anuj, my equivalent over in um, Nepal. And he's asked uh, if I can reach out to the Evertrek community, which is what I'm doing. So we support a number of really, really worthy causes over there. And you guys have helped us do that before with the jackets for guides, strides for guides, all of those initiatives and things like that. One of the things that we're looking to do now is try and provide... Um, some technical equipment to a, a school um, that is, uh, you know, pretty close to where we are and who some of our guides, I believe, have children that go there. And now, like a lot of things in Nepal, it's hugely underfunded and under-resourced. And what they really need is any type of technical computer equipment, things like that. So what I want to ask is to anyone who's going out to Nepal this spring or maybe in the autumn, um, who has an old laptop sitting around in a cupboard that they're not using anymore, um, if they would be happy to take it with them and if you would be happy to donate it uh, to the kids in the school so they can learn to use the computers um, and do some computer sciences with it and stuff like that. All it needs really is for it to have a, a, be in working order and have a charger. If you could do that, guys, that would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, again, don't give something that you know you can't afford to lose. But if you do have an old laptop sitting around in the drawer gathering dust that's just going to sit there for the rest of its life, um, it could actually go to really good use in Nepal um, and the kids over there in the school could really make use of it and um, further their education with it and it may really help them um, yeah, get good jobs and things like that because they'll at least have some experience with it. We all know, um, you know, computer skills these days are not even something you really write on your CV. It's something that is taken for granted when you're applying for a job and it's the same over there in Nepal. So if you guys do have any old laptops lying around, let me know and we can um, help. Even if you're not going to Nepal, but you'd like to donate one, I'm pretty sure um, if you wanted to send it to us, I could then get it to someone who can carry it to um, to Nepal for you and then just hand it over to Anuj. That would be amazing. I know you guys care a lot about the people as much as we do. Um, so, yeah, that would be great. 
You got a laptop, Rosie? Is it just your work one? Uh, no, I have a personal one as well. Yeah, we'll have that one. Um, any other questions from you, Rosie, at all? No, mate. You've answered all my questions. Thank you. I think that's pretty much it for today, then. We'll yeah. wrap up there. Yeah. Um, awesome. Guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, I think I've got everyone's questions. Uh, Fee, have I missed any? Don't think so. Um, actually, there are. Oh, I tell you what, there's two of them here that have come in from Suzette. Um, many travel insurance companies that cover high altitude helicopter evacuation don't offer plans for Americans. Do you possibly have a couple of names and companies that offer to people in the US? Do you know what? I don't, Suzette, but I reckon I could probably do a little bit of research and get back to you on it. Also, jump onto the high altitude Evertrekkers group. There's lots of Americans in there that may be able to help you. Yeah. Uh, Jerome, I'll find out the name of the school. Um, you know, stop highlighting how unprepared I am for these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was told, but I forgot. Guys, thank you very much again. Uh, Rosie, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. And see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> thanks mate thanks now if, uh, if you've enjoyed it don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast um, you know all these uh, podcasts we put together the episodes try to reach as many people as possible and if it's helped you leave us a lovely review um, and yeah we'll see you again next week yeah all the best guys bye <laughs>